coming up. We're kind of at a point now where prosecutors, advocates, police are saying, what else can we do? How else can we prevent these guns from getting into the hands of kids and into potential criminals? For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Thieves, often preying on negligent gun owners, stole more than 1,000 guns from cars in Charlotte last year alone, a 36% increase from 2020. The state of North Carolina has a law requiring safe storage of guns, but it's a law that's so narrow, Charlotte-Mecklenburg police have only charged 12 people with the crime since 2016, and the sentence for it ranges from no jail time to four months behind bars. Police say the current law prevents them from filing criminal charges in most cases. Really, we want people to take their guns out of their cars. Everyone thinks that they're not gonna be a victim. The current law as it stands, is it strong enough? Right now, I'm not sure that class one misdemeanor is doing the trick. It really doesn't require safe storage. It just imposes liability under very um, specific circumstances. North Carolina's law has a long way to go. Last year, more than 1,000 guns were stolen from cars in Charlotte, North Carolina. Nate Morabito, investigative reporter with WCNC in Charlotte, you've been looking into gun laws in North Carolina, specifically laws that would require gun owners to secure their guns properly. Let's start with this. How did you end up reporting on this subject? Why was this an issue that drew your attention? So I've always been really interested in guns and kind of tracing stolen guns to crime scenes, because I think that when you look at the issue of stolen guns, you're essentially supplying potential criminals with additional weapons. And and what I hear from police all the time is if if a criminal wants to get their hands on a gun, they are going to. But in no way should the public be making it easier for people. So here in Charlotte, we've had a rise in the number of guns on high school and middle school campuses. And we're really solutions based. So I wanted to see kind of what else is out there to try and encourage fewer guns from ending up in schools, in kids' hands. We've had a couple of very violent years here uh, in potential criminals' hands. And so I wanted to kind of see what is the law? Uh, we, we had heard from the police chief here when a gun went off on a high school campus that you know they're looking at ways to possibly charge gun owners if a, a gun from a home ends up at a school. And I thought, well, I wonder how often that's actually happening. And that's what got me digging into this issue. And what your investigation ultimately found is that there's one law in North Carolina requiring gun owners to secure their guns, but only in very specific situations. Tell us about that law. Yeah, so in talking with you know the district attorney here and a gun advocate, both kind of say, and quite honestly, a state representative, that the law is just too narrow. There are certain circumstances that have to qualify for this charge to be able to be charged against someone. And, and the biggest one is that the gun owner has to live in a home where a child lives too. So the gun would have to be from a house where there's a kid living in that house. And then that gun will have to be used either to hurt or kill someone. It could be used, be charged if it ends up on a school campus. But there's only a handful of situations where a prosecutor could actually pursue that charge. And when, when I looked at the data here in Charlotte, going back to 2016, I mean, there's, there's something like 
4,000 plus guns just stolen from cars during that time. Who knows how many from homes, but only 12 people charged or cited with this failure to secure law here. And in many cases, it was a situation where a child used the gun to hurt or potentially kill another child. It's the most significant kind of case where that would get prosecutors or police's attention to charge this. And the district attorney here will also tell you that this is a misdemeanor charge. So it's not top of mind when there may be a shooting of a kid. They're not thinking initially, well, well what can we pursue the misdemeanor against the gun owner? Usually uh, when there has been uh, some act of violence where a child is involved, uh, we may not necessarily be thinking uh, about that class one misdemeanor as the first priority. Mecklenburg County District Attorney Spencer Merriweather knows it's rare for police to charge gun owners. He says that's generally because of a lack of evidence or clear witness statements, often from children. It requires digging into the facts to make sure that the people who are charged with this are people who are actually culpable of offense, who could have and should have done more to secure those weapons. And what we're finding here is that there seems to be an agreement that the gun violence in the city is out of control. And we just want to know what can be done. What are other people doing to try and prevent this in their cities? You mentioned in recent years, there have only been 12 cases where this specific charge has been applied. You also reported that there's a pretty stark racial disparity in those arrests, these cases where that law was applied. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, and in talking with the district attorney here, I, I pointed out, to, you know, in, in my experience, I've been doing this for almost 20 years, and I've never seen a disparity quite like this. Now, this is a very small pool of charges, but every one of those 12 people charged or cited with this law are black. And I asked the district attorney, I said, why would this be? And number one, he, he, he kind of acknowledged that in many places throughout the criminal justice system, there are disparities, right? Uh, but he kind of went a little bit deeper in saying that in these cases, when it comes to victims, they are often impacted in a disparate way too, which means that the district attorney says that the victims in these cases tend to be black children, who get a gun from either a family member or in a neighborhood that they live in, or as he described it, from someone who looks like them. And that's kind of how he explained it. And he said it was sad that that is in fact the case. Um, but this is a very big city. And, and I think the bigger question is how often are police pursuing this charge? Should they be pursuing it more? And is there a way to do it equitably so that any negligent gun owner could be charged with a crime. And, and I want to be clear about something because, you know, this this is always a hot topic, the gun debate. And when I say negligent and when these advocates say negligent, we're not talking about, you know, your average gun owner that, you know, is acting in good faith. We're talking about someone who's leaving their gun potentially on their car seat in the front, you know, their car, someone that's leaving their car door unlocked. And then someone goes and grabs that gun. And, and I think it's also worth pointing out there is obviously personal responsibility for the people who are stealing these guns. And prosecutors have pursued far more cases of possession of a stolen firearm than they have failure to secure. But it's another layer of trying to reduce the gun violence. Because here in Charlotte, for at least the last three years, over and over again, 
police have said, we need the community to step up. If you're a gun owner, we need you to secure your gun. But the numbers clearly show that 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 message is not getting through to everyone to the point that there were 989 reports alone of stolen guns from cars uh, last year. And that equated to more than 1,000 actual guns. That's a 36% increase from the prior year. And I think that we're kind of at a point now where prosecutors, advocates, police are saying, what else can we do? How else can we prevent these guns from getting into the hands of kids and into potential criminals? You talked about kind of the narrow scope of the laws that exists. Going back to those more than 1,000 guns that were stolen out of cars last year, is it fair to say that there's no law in North Carolina that would hold a gun owner accountable for leaving a gun stored improperly in a car? It's really tricky because I'm not an attorney. If you look at the law as it reads, it really focuses mainly on the idea of inside a home. But I guess it depends how you interpret it because if someone is a gun owner and they live in a home with a kid and then they go in their car and they leave their gun in their car, someone might argue, well, you could still pursue that charge in that case because you technically live in a home with a child. But the truth is from hearing from you know advocates and, and lawmakers that really that's not something that people are pursuing here, that police or prosecutors are pursuing here. And they want something very specific that actually spells out in a car what a gun owner could be held responsible for. You identified multiple cases where guns ended up on school campuses in the area, including cases where guns came from homes and where they were stolen from cars. But in all of those cases, the failure to secure a firearm to protect a minor charge wasn't applied. Do we know why? Well, whenever we ask police about this, and the same goes for if the gun came from a home, because some of the guns that ended up in schools uh, also came from homes. And police just say there, there either wasn't a law that applied, it wouldn't have made sense to file the charge in that case, because there's, you know, I think sometimes the public assumes it's kind of cut and dry. If, if a kid stole a gun from a home, then that, you know, potentially that gun owner, owner was negligent. Well, that may not always be true, right? And, and also, what if a gun's stolen and the person doesn't even know the gun was taken in the first place? Um, you know, it, it's just, it's so layered and so complex that police tend to say it's just not clear cut. And, and what prosecutors say too is that you're relying on victims and witnesses who are kids. And you're not always guaranteed an accurate depiction of what happened from a child. At least that's what they say. And and the bottom line is they just don't feel it's appropriate in the cases that we've identified to file this charge. I know you also spoke about all of this with folks from the Giffords Law Center to prevent gun violence. What did they say about the law in North Carolina as it stands? So they have they basically have two takeaways. Either the law is so narrow that it can never really be used or police just aren't charging it enough. They're not as aggressive as they need to be. And what they really want is what they want in many places across the country, tougher gun storage laws. Ellison Anderman calls North Carolina's law weak. She's senior counsel for the Giffords Law Center to prevent gun violence. And she would like to see more states mandate safe storage in cars. When states lack the will to enact effective and reasonable gun policies, it's very disappointing and discouraging. They point to California, which to our knowledge seems to be the only place 
that has a failure to secure law in a vehicle. It was passed several years ago. And the idea, whether you're a law enforcement officer or just a civilian, is that you need to be secure your gun. Put it in the trunk, put it in a lockbox, uh, so that you're adding a layer of protection so that if a thief gets into the car, it's going to be harder to take the gun. And maybe it's even a deterrent. And it's really hard to see how effective that legislation has been because, you know, we've had a pandemic since this law took effect, too. Uh, so I really don't want to draw conclusions about if it's effective or not. But I do know in a couple of the cities there, there have been very low numbers of stolen guns from cars since that law took effect. And, and the bottom line is advocates like those at the Gifford Law Center want tougher laws for gun storage, uh, something that can be agreed on upon from both sides of the aisle, something that is, is reasonable. I think that's what they really want most, something that makes sense, something that's common sense, that doesn't make it overly difficult for someone to understand why a law would be needed. For those in North Carolina who are hoping to see legislative changes, what are the prospects? Is this something that lawmakers are working on? Well, so we, we talked to Representative Terry Brown, who's a lawmaker here in Charlotte, and he told me he filed legislation last year that would have simply educated the public about the importance of safe gun storage. And I looked to see what happened with that bill. And it it passed the House. It was a bipartisan bill. It got support, passed the House, but it, it hasn't yet made it out of the Senate, uh, which tells me that although there may be some support, it's not as easy as, as some people may assume it might be, particularly here in North Carolina. For whatever reason, it just hasn't moved through the Senate. And now we're talking about he wants to pursue this, uh, a tougher gun storage law uh, in North Carolina. He thinks there's an appetite for it. He thinks that people on both sides could look at it reasonably. It's something I definitely want to work on with my colleagues in the General Assembly. I think there is an appetite for it. It's not an attack on gun owners. It's making sure that we're protecting our community. But in reality, if you can't get a bill passed just to educate the public, it seems like the political will may not be there. And, and what the Givers Law Center says is that the only way for this to change is for people to really dig in and reach out to their lawmakers. If they want this, if they don't want it, truly the same way people can reach out. But for whatever reason, those who, who want this kind of law apparently haven't made their voices known enough. And they really say that it needs to start at the ballot box on election days. Uh, if people are not gonna support tougher gun storage laws that are reasonable, they wanna see people vote in lawmakers that will make this a priority. It seems like the the piece of this that virtually everyone agrees on is that this is a problem. The fact that hundreds, over a thousand last year of guns are being taken out of cars and ending up in the hands of someone who is not the licensed owner, that's a problem. Are there other ideas or other potential solutions to this issue that came up in your reporting? You know, when we look at this issue, first of all, I want to point out too that these are just the number of reported guns stolen. Right. Think about that. I mean, how many guns are out there that don't get reported stolen? And so here from a school district perspective, they, they've really started here at Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools to say, in the meantime, for high school students, we're going to start requiring clear backpacks so that we can see if kids are bringing guns into school. And, and the other idea is to pursue those that are really stealing the guns and, and prosecute them. That's what you hear kind of the people that are concerned about a tougher law say that they want more prosecutions of those that are actually taking the guns. But it all comes back to this. 
if we're making guns more accessible to people, we're making it easier for them to commit crimes. And, and the idea tends to be it. gun owners are generally a, a group that describe themselves as, as following the law, that, that these are people that want to uphold the law and are law-abiding citizens. And if there's not a law that doesn't require them to lock up their gun, uh, you know, th- there's less teeth to doing that, I guess. They're not breaking a law, right? So I think the argument is if, if there's a law that would require this, that perhaps gun owners would would be more enticed to take the extra step to just protect their weapon. Nate Morabito with WCNC in Charlotte. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're right here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for something else to listen to, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows that includes our newest podcast, Killer Cases. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. 